This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Ramya Muth and Kelly McDonald, host of Kelly and Company here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, repeats of the program, 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. in the morning, also available as a podcast. Well, once a month, Rum, we get a chance to take a voice that we may know here on the network or maybe over on the AMI-TV side or somebody familiar maybe from the past. Today, we've got a very ever-present voice that uh, people who listen to AMI-audio will definitely know. And with this segment, we get a chance to hear about people's passions, drives, and any comments that they may want to talk about or, or share with us on topics they, they consider quite important, maybe a bit of a, a platform for them. Mark Flalo, a man who has many hats when dealing with the gang over here at AMI-audio and many other facets of, of AMI. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so let's get into it since I'm supposed to be making a, a bet uh, come true here. Now, Uh-oh. you are known to be the nicer brother of the Aflalo brothers. Um, <laughs> that's, that's again, what, Well, that's what I've been explaining to Paul just so that, you know, he understands the placing and everything <laughs> like that. Uh, also, uh, we have to give shout outs to the fact that the Neutral Zone yesterday finished its second video podcast. You are handling... A lot of the podcast video stuff going out there. I guess you would be one would say you're handling all of it for us. How is this new endeavor for AMI audio going? I think it's going uh, quite well. Uh, I think it's going quite well. Uh, you know, typical hiccups here and there, depending on, you know, the situation. Neutral Zone is a unique one because we record it on a Monday afternoon and it airs the next day. So imagine the stuff that has to happen before it actually gets to air on time. So we've got the audio version and we've got the YouTube version. Uh, you know, every week we're experiencing, we're, we're learning new things as we go. But overall, I think the experience has been quite good. I know Brock and Cam and, and Josh, uh, they've been having quite quite a good time. And they're quite impressed with, with the, uh, the result the next day. Um, overall, I think it's great. I think it's giving a new dimension to the podcast. It's giving people an opportunity to discover them in a way they wouldn't have before. That's what we're learning kind of over the over the years and over the use of YouTube and the analytics. We're seeing that people are really discovering a lot of new content on YouTube. It's not just the traditional podcast platforms. It's social media that people are discovering things through. And YouTube is just one of these places where it allows people, you know, with with limited vision, with low vision to add some more dimension to the audience and the people that they have grown to love. You know, you guys are a perfect example of that. You know, people putting a picture to the audio is a, just a whole new dimension and it gives people another way to discover what you guys are doing. Does it add any trickiness? Obviously we're talking time, but the fact that because the neutral zone it appears on AMI audio or has come from being a, uh, from connect for life to AMI audio to now AMI audio and a video podcast. Is there any rules or things that make it different than just somebody at home saying, I want to do a video podcast? Well, I mean, number one is we're striving for a certain level of quality. You know, it's just not just, Hey, turn on your webcam and let's go. Right. We spent several months making sure these guys were equipped. Internet connections were 
we're pretty good. We're not to the extent of, you know, you know what you guys are doing for, for, you know, broadcast purposes, but definitely we're, we're up in the game when it comes to video podcasts. It's not just crappy quality that's going out there. We really want to make sure that this is, yes, it's audio first, but we're adding a level of dimension on the video side that is far superior to what people are just going out and doing, you know, what they can buy on Amazon. That's definitely number one. And, and using tools that allow us to connect in real time and record these things at a higher quality, it, it obviously takes time. It takes a lot of research. It takes a lot of testing. And it's definitely one of the factors that we, we put into it. And the other thing is, especially on the host side of things, and it's something that I've learned from doing Double Tap TV, is describing the visuals, making yes. sure that you're mm-hmm. not giving an audience uh, that has a disability or doesn't have a disability any kind of advantage over the other one. You want to make sure that someone out there who's sighted or someone out there who might be blind or even low vision who has someone who's sighted next to them doesn't, no one benefits, no one has an advantage over the other one. And that comes with a lot of training and it comes with a lot of learning that I continuously learn. That That's probably one of the biggest takeaways I get from doing double tap TV. I've never been a guy. I've never ever ever said, Oh, I want to be on camera. I want to be a TV personality. That has never crossed my mind in my life. When they came to me and said, Hey, we want you to host this with Steven Scott. I said, okay, that's going to be interesting. We can, we can try this out. And, and it's worked out well because we take it from an audio perspective. First, my passion, you know, as you guys know, I've always been in radio. It's almost like probably 25 years at this point. It's always been audio first. And, and, you know, I've got a, I actually have a fear of public speaking. For the first time this summer, we did a we did some town halls that I had to get over that hump, which was which was interesting. Um, <laughs> but when you you know you're in a room with a microphone, there's nobody watching you. There's I was nobody to say yeah because yeah, some people it's might different. hear that and say yeah right. I was one of them. I'm not gonna. Lie. I honestly in in high school, um, I have teachers who I, I would run into today that laugh at me because in high school I refused to do a public speech. Mm. Categorically refuse. I said, I'm not doing it. I don't care if I fail. I'm just not doing it. To the point that my teacher. You're dramatic as Paul. Wow. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> my, my teachers, I remember my teachers begging me, like, just come and do it for me and one other person will be in the room. <laughs> and I said, I'm, not, I'm just not doing it. I can't do it. Like, I just, I'm scared. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and I'm on the radio in Montreal. I'm doing all this yeah. stuff. And people are like, how do you do that? I'm like, there's nobody in the room. I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said I'm that alone. about TV when they wanted me to start doing TV for AMI. I said, are you, are you, what are you talking about? I don't have any experience. I'm a radio dude, period. Yeah, and, and but you know what? I think that gives us a little bit of an advantage because we're able to tell a story and we're already thinking in the mindset of telling a story yep. that creates the picture in your head. Yep. So when it comes to TV, taking the audio first approach, we're telling the story audibly and then we're adding visuals after that match with it. It doesn't always work that way. It's not always that beautiful symbiotic relationship. There are tons of times, and I'll give you a great example, as we we recorded an episode. I'm sure you guys have talked about the Envision glasses, yes. which are basically Google Glass with a camera on the side. Mm-hmm. And um, it uses the Envision app uh, or things like Era will we'll, we'll work on it, um, where you can someone can watch and see what you're seeing. And Sean Priest, again, who is very, very low vision, and Stephen Scott were at this event in the UK, and they go film this beautiful segment. And the person who he interviewed, and I won't mention names or companies, but but their responsibility is they sell this specialized tech, okay? That's all they do. And the person is sitting there um, showing Sean how to use it and not describing anything. Mm. Oh, and my we record, goodness. Yeah, we recorded this. Oh. He's like, yeah, oh, he goes, you know, we yeah. push this button here, we slide our finger there, and we're watching this, and it's something that I didn't pick up on, but 
thankfully we have people here at AMI whose jobs <laughs> are, are to review these. That's all we do. Right. And, and, and they picked up on it. I'm like, okay, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to, because it's an event that was live, an interview that was live, and Sean didn't pick up on it when he was doing it. Sean was very descriptive when he had the glasses on, but he was in the heat of the conversation. You don't really pay attention to those little minute details. So I had to figure out, okay, how do I do this in a way that I can't reshoot it? I have to describe it to the audience that I need it to sound natural. So we ended up reformatting it in a way that Sean introduced the segment uh, with a voiceover and some B-roll and some imagery that went along with it. And that made it more natural that throughout the segment, adding a voiceover in certain elements made sense. Mm -hmm. So when the guy started describing it, I had Sean come in and record saying, he's referring to the right side of the glasses where there's a touchpad. And it added the description, the described elements that we didn't have before. But I continuously, like, I, it constantly amazes me anytime anybody points that out to me something that I, I missed i'm like oh yeah why wasn't i thinking about it that way and it yeah. takes my writing and my style and everything to a whole new direction yeah um, an incredible awareness it's really uh, and then like you say though i think the radio side definitely has add adds to yeah. that ability to be able to tell the story and provide that description go ahead rum sorry no, I was just thinking because sometimes the visual can actually be distracting, right? Like it, it distracts from understanding or realizing, like you've been pointing out in this example, that stuff was missed for people who can't see it or yeah. aren't yeah. able to or whatever. Um, but with radio, there is nothing like that because you're you're leaving it to the person's imagination anyway. Yeah. You know, or to pick up the pieces as you're describing it. And to interpret yeah, how many times do I do an interview, uh, whether it's for Double Tap or, or the other tech show I do on Sirius XM, that I'm talking to somebody and we're doing the interview on Zoom because that's the way everybody connects these days. Yeah. So we can see each other and then he'll hold something up and I'll be like, yeah, that's a great that's a great visual for our radio audience, you know, because I don't have a, <laughs> a visual yeah. element to that. But it's something that I, I honestly find it very, very interesting. And that's, I think, this is the biggest challenge. But thankfully, coming from the audio background, especially when it comes to, like, the neutral zone, uh, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer for them. It's, it's just they're already thinking that direction. The visual is really something that I get to worry about afterwards. Fascinating what your Sirius XM audience feels, too, because I'm sure naturally at times that that's there. You just you explain it well enough because you're used to now having to do that. Yeah, and that's, you know, you, you talked often when you introduced me, you talked about my passion for audio, and I think that's probably the biggest thing, and I, I don't even think about it or, or vocalize it really ever. That's what I love doing is mm -hmm. I love producing things that create that emotion, and it's hard to do. It's not an easy thing to do. Right. You know, you can, can you can produce commercials that are fun and the scripts are playful, but, you know, a couple of years ago we did It's a Wonderful Life, the radio show for Christmas, and you guys were involved heavily, and oh, I had so yeah. much fun doing that. I had so much fun because I was working completely with this audio platform going, okay, how do I bring this to life? And I had not, when we started that, I had not actually ever seen it. So I made sure that I watched it and I'm like, okay, this, this all makes sense to me. So I had to now recreate this stuff with sound effects and make it seem not too cheesy, but also kind of fit with the time. And it's just so much fun. And it's, you, you get into a, into a daily routine of working with audio. And sometimes you take for granted some of the things that you, you get to play with and other people look at you going, that's so much fun. Mm. I love, I love what sound effects can do that people don't even realize tells them so much of a story without you having to use words to tell that story because we all relate back to certain sounds and that's, that sound belongs there. So, you know, oh, that's somebody outside mm -hmm. walking through the woods because it sounds a certain way versus somebody walking down a town street. Yeah. you know what? Some, go ahead, Remy. 
Oh, I was just going to say that it reminds me of the uh, OTR, Old Time Radio, conversation we had with Kelly, you, and Siobhan mm-hmm. about that, right? Because now we're, you know, adamant on audio description, audio description, audio description. But what happened back in the day with radio was exactly what you're describing. It, sound effects and uh, leave it up to the imagination. No one's telling you, I'm opening this door. But I'm crossing you know the street happening. now, even though you can hear them step <laughs> off the wooden sidewalk onto yeah, exactly. the gravel yeah. and back up onto the wooden sidewalk. I wonder what he's doing. It sounds like a hobby horse. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting landscape out there, and it's one of the, the other things I find in doing double tap and just constantly working with AMI is that I become an advocate for it. Like I watch TV shows, I'm like, why didn't they? They didn't have to say it like that. They could have said it differently sure. so that someone else could have figured that out. And and you end up starting to preach to people. And the funny thing is, is that even though it doesn't come off as preachy, when you explain it to someone, they're like, oh my god, why am I? Why am I not doing that? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Why aren't you doing it? Uh, yeah, sometimes people <laughs> make it out to be bigger and harder than it is. So uh, is it true that you failed your introduction to radio and TV <laughs> course uh, because you were working over doing the morning show at Shom? It is. It is absolutely true. I was in Sejap, and, you know, for those of you who are not from Quebec, Sejap is this two-year waste of time, or sorry, this two-year opportunity <laughs> to bridge yourself between high school and university um, that they, you, you have to take. You have got to go through this two years. And, and I found myself in a situation where I knew I was into radio. Uh, at the end of high school, I knew I was into radio, but there were no real courses that made sense to me. There was introduction to radio and TV, a lot of filmmaking classes, but nothing that really spoke to me. So I spent a lot of time either in the arcade at the mall next door or at the radio station at the at the at Sejep. Um, but this class was one that interested me. But the problem was is that I, you know, thanks to not going to other classes in Sejep, I was not kicked out. But you're put on academic probation. You have to basically beg to be let back in, yeah. like, please let me come back so I can redeem myself. So I ended up, I did that. And while I was doing this, I was interning at, at Shome, a local station here in Montreal. And, um, and I begged my, I begged my way back and they let me in. And the next day I got a phone call saying, Hey Mark, we're, we're putting Howard Stern on Shome uh, in a couple of weeks. Oops. We need someone to push the buttons and, and do stuff. It's a full-time job. I'm like sold. So I go <laughs> in, I, I didn't, I'd failed introduction wow. to radio TV because I missed the two tests. And she begged me. She's like, come take him. I'm like, I'm too busy. I'm working. I'm working the morning show down the street. Like, I can't. I have no interest in this. So is there anything you haven't done in radio? Is there anything I haven't done in radio? I've never never climbed a transmitter tower. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Really? I thought everybody did that. (laughs) No, I've never. Surprise me. That's the first thing we think of, though. So you've done everything else. (laughs) <laughs> I th- honestly, I've, I've I started in promotions. I was hanging banners up in a movie theater for right. movie movie premieres. Um, I did brought remotes, set up the remotes. Technically, I did audio production. I produced commercials. I produced shows. I was a DJ in music. I was a talk radio host. I was a newscaster. I was the program director. I was the creative director. I was a copywriter. Um, I, I basically was an engineer. I mean, that's what I, I do now. Is like a lot of live broadcast stuff for for uh, other companies like Sirius XM, NBC, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So there's not much that I can think of. I I think I've done almost everything in in the radio business. Wow. That's amazing. That is. um, Before we lose you, Mark, I want to talk about drones quickly. Uh, we got a couple of minutes. We would love, like, I would love to fly a drone. I'll be honest. I wish that was the possible thing. And you have to be our eyes here. Tell us the cool thing about it that, that just keeps you having fun with it. You know, so... 
until recently, drones were just kind of you take them off, they they cover themselves. You could fly and get really beautiful pictures and beautiful imagery and get and get to see a, a vantage point that unless you spend hundreds of thousands of dollars getting a pilot's license, you're really not going to get. You know, maybe it's a vantage point you'd see when you're you're taking off in a plane. And, and flying is one of those things that I think that I, I would probably have a, a, a real fun time doing but i just don't have the patience to go through the the learning part mm. i can't do school like i'm done <laughs> i'm done with the schooling <laughs> part of things and then hours um, wow. yeah no it's it's a lot it's a lot of time and it's a lot of theory and it's a lot of stuff and uh so you know drones started becoming more and more popular i started getting into the drones and i really started enjoying flying them because you kind of separate yourself from the world so then dji which is one the number one drone manufacturer in the world at this point i mean they've been making every drone that's successful they come out with this one called the Avada, and it's a first-person point-of-view drone. So what that means is there's a camera on the front of the drone, and you wear these like VR goggles that have a beautiful high-resolution screen. They've got antennas on it, and you're flying in the first-person point-of-view. So it's That's like awesome. you're Superman with your arms out, wow. flying through the sky. Oh, man. And, and not only that, but it's, they've made it so easy now. It used to be that these drones were the harder ones to fly because they wouldn't automatically float and hover if you let go. Now you're doing it with a joystick-style control, one single control, and it's all motion. So if I move, if I, if I rotate my wrist left, it goes left. If I rotate it right, it goes right. If I pull the trigger, it accelerates. If I tilt it backwards, it goes up. If I, it's like you're flying a plane. Wow. Hold and up. And you're getting that first person point of view at the same time. Have you not tried skydiving? I went skydive. I did skydive. I did skydive about, wow, 15, 15, 16 years ago. Okay. Um, I did it once. I would have done it again then. Now I think I'm a little bit, uh, a little okay. bit more scaredy pants. I'm good. Yeah. I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to stay back then. But you, you know, know what? Maybe, well. You know, skydiving is interesting. I don't know if either of you have tried I it. I have. I loved it. No, but no, this remind your description of first hand uh, or first perspective drone or whatever so, sounds like. So skydiving gives you, you know, what people don't realize who have never done it. You don't get that stomach in your mouth feeling like no. a roller coaster. No, you just you know? float. You just you're floating there. And then yeah. when the parachute comes out, then you realize because you're getting closer to the ground that you're getting closer to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would imagine. With the drone, it's a little bit different because. You can free fall and you can give yourself that effect, but you're also then flying. So you can take off, you can go up, you can go through trees, you can. And because between you and I, because I didn't pay for this drone, they sent it to me to play with. You tend to be a little bit more risky than you would yeah. if you paid for it with uh, yes. your own money. About those trees. Yeah, about those trees. So uh, uh, so it, it, it is it is a lot of fun. And um, I'm still convinced that I could put the goggles on, on uh, Stephen Scott or Sean Priest and uh, – have them crash royally and have some fun doing that. I think that would make a great segment <laughs> teaching someone film, with low vision right? how to fly a drone. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. I love that. I, I think I thought always that first person perspective was the way you saw through a drone. So I learned something today that no, they aren't all like that, Kelly. I guess that's money. Thanks, Mark. Oh, the music. <laughs> Bye. Time to go. These radio people, they know all the little signs here. My gosh, that's like the hint. We didn't have to say a word. Voices segment, we do it uh, once a month here on Kelly and Company. We thank Mark Aflalo for joining us today on the program. And we do this on the third Tuesday of every month. We'll wrap up the show after this. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.